Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. Alan Patrikoff is the author of No Red Lights, Reflections on Life, 50 Years in Venture Capital, and Never Driving Alone. I've also known him, I think, since I was born. Anyway, Alan Patrikoff is the co-founder of Primetime Partners and the co-founder and chairman emeritus of Graycroft LP. A longtime innovator and advocate for venture capital, Alan entered the industry in its formative days with the creation of Patrikoff & Co. Ventures, Inc., a predecessor to Apex Partners, today one of the world's leading private equity firms with $50 billion under management. He stepped back from the daily administration and operational aspects of Apex Partners LP in 2004 to concentrate on a group of small venture deals on its behalf. In 2006, he founded Graycroft, a venture capital firm, to invest in leading early and expansion stage investments in digital media. 
With offices in New York and Los Angeles, Graycroft is currently investing from its fifth fund as well as its second growth fund and has $2 billion plus under management. With a 40-plus year career in venture capital, Alan has been instrumental in growing the venture capital field and is playing a key role in its evolution. You will hear when we talk that he has invested in major global companies, including America Online, Office Depot, Cadence Systems, Cellular Communications, Apple Computer, and many others, including Audible. He was a founder and chairman of the board of New York Magazine, which later acquired The Village Voice and New West. Enjoy our conversation. It was amazing. Welcome. I want to call this next guest Mr. Patrickoff because I have known him since I was a little girl and that is what I used to call him. Now his name is actually Alan, but I feel uncomfortable even changing how I think of him. So anyway, whoever, whatever, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Great things about this podcast. So I've been looking forward to it. Oh, I hope I don't disappoint you. (laughs) Vice versa. Okay. I found your book absolutely fascinating. No red lights. You talked about everything from the things you did invest in, the things you didn't invest in, how you even started investing and shared intimate details about your late wife's descent into Alzheimer's and aphasia, all of the stages, your family life. I mean, this was comprehensive, thought-provoking, emotional, and ultimately inspiring. So thank you for writing it. Thank you. I, you know, I, if it's appropriate, I, I, I like to tell you why I wrote it because I, w- I was going to ask. So go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. Uh, and, and why I chose the title. I mean, clearly the title, no red lights and your podcasters can't see the cover, but it's got three, three green stoplights on it. Yes. And uh, it was because of the way I've lived my life, which has been a multifaceted life in which I've tried to taste every opportunity that's come my way. And I wanted to really write it first for two different constituencies. One is for younger people who at some early point in stage in their life and to say, you know, don't get unidimensional. Don't, if you're in the finance business, don't get stuck in finance. If you're in law or real estate or anything else, be open to all the opportunities that come your way and seek them out, be curious. And so live a a life as I have, which has been not just in the world of venture capital, which I'm probably most well known for, but I've done worked in the field of international development. I've been involved in politics and in theater and in art, classic cars. I've tried to everything I could. I've tried to explore. That's why, as you know, I'm going into Burning Man this year. Uh, <laughs> A big, a big step forward, but it, it's there. You know, why am I doing it? Because it's there, just like people climb Mount Everest. So that was one, because the other constituency, which is probably not your main audience, but is for older people who are, you know, retiring or being forced into retirement at 60 or whatever age and are packing it in and going to Florida or playing golf or uh, dropping out is to say, you know, life is just beginning. I mean, I have said for many, many years, I'm going to live to 114 and I really believe it. So, you know, I'm 87. I started my third firm uh, two years ago at age 85. And I believe I'm going to live to 114, which, you know, if I'm 87 means I have 27 years left. That's a long time. Uh, I could do a lot of things in that period. And if you think about people who are in 60 who are being forced out or decided to sell their business, uh, if they 
you know, subscribe to what I'm saying. They have 54 years to go. So I have these two bookended constituencies and I hope to inspire both ends of it. And I, I risk my own uh, uh, stature by becoming a poster child for someone at 87 now. But uh, <laughs> I, I can live with it since I'm going to, as you probably also know, I'm, I'm determined to walk, run, walk, jog the marathon this year, which will be the fifth, sixth time I've done it. And I hope I can finish. Jamie, my son, who's a friend of yours, says that if I get close enough, he's going to carry me across the finish line. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I know. I, I, as, a, as the book was going on, you kept talking about all these goals and all these, I was like, okay, he's just never going to stop. You're like, you're just ne- like one goal after another. In fact, one part that particularly struck me, which I feel like is very in line sort of with what you're saying is when you were talking about how Apex, APA slash Apex, the company you had founded had, and how successful it was, how it had more than $60 billion under management. And then after this whole paragraph where you were saying all the things, you said, I was bored. And and I totally get it. Like, here you are. Most people would be thrilled, right? They have this fabulous firm and all this stuff. And no, you needed a new challenge. And then you say, I I was bored. I remember calling Susan from the office one hot summer Friday in 2001. I was feeling very low about something. And I said, we should go to a funny movie. So you see a funny movie. And then you say, after 30 years, the time had come to try something new. My, my sons have pointed out that the decision I made shortly thereafter to transition from Apex left a lot of money on the table. Money alone, however, wasn't enough to keep me. I was ready to try a new route. Yeah, and I, I, then, I then spent three or four years traveling all around the world, probably one of my most exciting times. I was an advisor to the president of Nigeria, and I spent time there. I was an advisor to the World Bank, all pro bono, involved with the IFC. I worked on a couple of nonprofits and all involved in taking my experience, which frankly was my wife Susan's idea. She said, you know, use your experience in entrepreneurial development and startups and, and try to you know, apply that in the in a different place in the developing world. So I traveled from Bangladesh to Bolivia to the headwaters of the Amazon to all over Africa. I, I, I must have visited at least 10 or more company, countries in Africa. And then I decided it was time to go back in the venture capital business. The reason I left Apex was board was part of it with board because it had become a private equity firm. And I really love the idea of startups and entrepreneurs and working from the ground up, because I think, you know, for me, that's an exciting area. And now, as you know, at age 85, I started my third firm, Primetime Partners, which I think is a great name for focused entirely on people who to serve the aging population. Since by the 2030, there will be more people over 60 than there will be people under kids under 18. They have the most money to spend fastest growing segment and no one was paying real attention to it. And so I started a firm with a partner uh, who may, you may know, Abby Levy, who was, who's uh, let's say in her late forties, I don't want to give her age away, uh, (laughs) who's a fabulous partner. And we invest in products, services, experiences, technologies that do anything to help people live to 114. And it's been an exciting two years. And I think there's a good probability there'll be prime time two. And then the question will be whether I have a fourth chapter. You know, maybe I'll start the fourth chapter at 100. That'll really shock everybody. 
But in the meantime, I expect to be the oldest person at Burning Man this year and the oldest person who finishes the marathon, even though I'll be walking and jogging, I'm not running it. (laughs) Well, I do know Abby Levy. I've known her for, I don't know, 20 years or something. So I'm thrilled you two are partnering. But I think that this idea of yours is, is so spot on. And I love how you share that the if you follow these certain steps, which I know it's not rocket science, but it's what you do to stay healthy and fit and mentally totally on your game and everything, and that there aren't these huge secrets, that there are ways to extend the longevity of your life. You plan to do them. Intellectual curiosity, I think, really ups the ante and makes the, the time more fun. And then, of course, you can pursue all these interesting businesses. It's it's so it's not only inspiring. I know you said part of your market was for older people for this book, but I, at age forty five, which I'm happy to disclose, find it very inspiring because I've already felt like the ticking of the clock, and to have the clock extend into overtime essentially is a huge relief to me at this point of my life. So I don't know. I think it's I think. I think you should expand the target audience a little bit younger. Well, you know, the truth is a surprising thing. One of the, uh, I would say most of the companies we backed have been started by people who are honestly under 45. They've been in their 30s who are people who have a parent or a grandparent or maybe a brother or someone who has had something that they have recognized there's something missing in taking care of people who are getting older. And I, it's a, it's really interesting. I mean, we one of the things we wanted to do, which we have not yet, it's not that we haven't succeeded, is we also want to back older people who want to go back into a business and do the same thing and attract people from their former business and uh, build a second, you know, second or third round. And, you know, you don't go into a venture capitalist office and see a lot of, people over 50 sitting in the waiting room to present their deals. I mean, it's usually younger people who are starting. And so we want to serve the older generation. And we also want to, we'd like to back some people who uh, want to go into a second or third round. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, I've decided to become a poster child for this and encourage people. Remember, I started Graycroft at 72 and primetime at at, uh, 85. So I really, uh, nothing, nothing has defeated me and who knows what the future is going to bring. And actually Dana Settle was in my uh, business school class. So I know her too. Well, and interesting, you mentioned that I started my first firm with a woman who joined me very shortly thereafter by the name of Patricia Clarity, who became head, the first woman in the venture business and the first woman who became head of the National Venture Capital Association and is has invested in every fund I've ever done and is still a very close friend. The second fund I did, Graycroft, with with uh, Dana, uh, and my third fund with uh, Abby Levy. So there must be something that, you know, I work well with women, I think. I hired a lot of women and have backed a lot of women businesses. Not that I'm, uh, frankly, it, you know, it's wherever the dust settles. I mean, whoever happens to come in with the right team, right idea, and has got the talent. But it's, it's I certainly am someone who's been very open-minded about it. And when we when I started, believe me, a woman in venture capital was a very an anomaly. And uh, as I say in the book, early on, I remember one particular person who didn't wouldn't deal with Patricia because she was a woman. Uh, you don't have that happen anymore today. And and I do believe the venture business is very open to women today. I, I know there's been a lot of controversy 
about how many, what percentage in, in this business are women, but I don't think that should stand in any woman's way who wants to get into the financial world or venture in particular. It's a very open, and also the, from a standpoint of startup. And it does help, help to have to have a woman partner. Yes. Well, that's amazing. And you actually, you know, you talk throughout the book about all these different things you, again, have and haven't invested in, most famously, which I think many people know you for, was one of the first investors in Apple. Um, and you said that had you not sold it when you did, it would, your investment would be worth $7.5 billion, <laughs> which is yeah. cra- crazy amazing. I mean, oh my gosh. And, you know, I wrote that book on and off over two years and I had someone in the office create a formula for the computation based on what the price was. I have no idea what it is this week, but it was changing all throughout the, the two years of which I uh, did this. I, I wrote this book, interestingly, on a yellow pad. Sorry to say, not on a computer, a yellow line pad and then had it transcribed and then retranscribed. And uh, so it went through several iterations to get where it was. And it was a, it was a fun experience. I wrote it. Uh, I, I'm saying a lot more than I would normally say. I wrote it not to be too long. It, it's it's actually about 230 pages. I designed it so that someone could take it with them on a plane to California and finish it by the time they got there and they could leave it in their hotel room or in their seat in the airplane and not have to lug around a 500 page book with them wherever they went. Well, I, I actually read it on a very traffic filled drive from the Hamptons. So there you go. The whole thing. <laughs> no, that proves it. I mean, that you did it. You're a fast reader. I mean, that I'm a fast reader. Yeah. Unless, read really- unless- Unless you had a four-hour trip from the Hamptons. <laughs> we did. We actually did have a four-hour trip last weekend. But anyway, I won't get into that. But yes, I read really quickly. But yeah, but it also goes really quickly. I mean, it's really interesting and you want to just keep turning the page. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help 
and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moms Don't Have Time. But one of the things that's unique or consistent rather about all of your investments is these new ways of reaching people and communication and doing things. And I found it really interesting when you started investing more lately in the podcast space, which you talk about towards the end of the book. Tell me more about it and, and even maybe where you see this whole thing playing. And as a podcaster, you know, I'm very, I'm very interested in your thoughts on this. Well, I have been an active investor in the media business for you know, since day one, I mean, go back to when I was a founder of New York Magazine. Uh, yes. I, was not the, I was not the creative genius behind it. That was Clay Felker. And I was not the publisher. It was a guy named George Hirsch, by the way, who's chairman of the New York Roadrunners, who's my key, I hope, to getting into the into the <laughs> year. Uh, we're still friends. And I invested in uh, Texas Monthly and Scientific American. And then in Graycroft, I went into the Huffington. I'm sorry, before that, I went into Audible. I was the first investor in Audible. And I was actually at a dinner, a Penn American dinner two nights ago to honor Don Katz, who was the founder. I was there. I was there for that. Yeah, I was there. I didn't see you, but I I was there, and Don, I must say, uh, greeted me in a very friendly fashion because we, we, you know, we go way back from the beginning. He's just as determined an entrepreneur today as he was when the day I met him in 1996 or something. But uh, I I did the Huffington Post, and I've gone recently into Axios and and the Skim, and uh, as part of that, I actually got in touch with a fellow named Hernan Lopez who had started Wondery. And he had gone to our California office and gotten turned down the year before because it was too early. And he came to see me because he was in New York one day. He's from L.A. And I got intrigued with him from a, a creative content basis and where I saw it was going and and got very much behind Wondery, which is probably to this day, probably the most successful podcast investment or podcast company, uh, Gimlet look like it was going to be what but i think wondery even surpassed them and uh, we sold that just a year ago to amazon and that started my interest in it and i've invested in about eight or ten technology related companies and recently have invested in two content companies in fact i went to a board meeting of one yet just yesterday called sonoro which is focused on the spanish and spanglish with major focus on LATAM. And then I uh, invested in another company, which I think you must know, called Lemonada. I don't know yes. if you know Jennifer and what they're doing, but they're they're building, a, I'd say, a more women-related content company. But I've gone into several companies of, uh, who that have been already sold because people are looking for technology. You've got a lot more buyers now in this area. I mean, you've got Apple, you've got Spotify, you've got Amazon, you've got iHeart, everybody has recognized that voice is a very strong new media. I have to say, honestly, at the same time, it is not on the top list of of investors as an area where they're going to make their next billion dollar company. We haven't seen too many exits in that level. But I think, you know, everyone thought radio was out of date. And all of a sudden, podcasting came in. Audible is 
booming and podcasting is uh, is well you're a, you're a perfect evidence i mean i had heard so much about your podcast before i came on uh, and i'm i'm doing um, the major marketing for my book is through podcasting i mean it's not book tours i've done all kinds of podcasts for different markets, different audiences, not just the financial. I mean, I've done Anthony Scaramucci, but I, I also did Elisa Waxel's podcast, which is for parents. So uh, yes. there's a uh, interest in lots of areas for uh, new content and creating content is a, a big opportunity. And, and you're, you're a perfect example of that. Well, maybe you should invest in whatever I'm doing, whatever that is. <laughs> you're probably, you're probably going to have another chapter in your life, at least one, maybe a couple. Oh yeah, I've got a lot of plans. <laughs> that's why I need to. That's why I need those 114. Uh, that you know, I need to move the goalpost out to that, and that will make me feel better. All you have to do is say it. I mean, that's, I heard a gerontologist give this speech about 10 or 15 years ago, and I liked what he said. So, uh, and he gave you all the reasons why you don't live to 114, many of which I fit. You know, if you've had prostate cancer, if you had a hip replacement, if you had pneumonia, all those subtract. Forget about getting hit by a bicycle. That that ends right, it right. all. But and I said to myself, well, even though I have a lot of things to subtract, I like the idea of 114. So I decided I'd go for it. Maybe I should go further. I like the number 22. Maybe I'll head for 122. We'll see what you happens. Know, honestly, I think if I'm being serious now. If that gerontologist gave the speech today, I think he would say 120. I think, you know, that was 10 or 15 years ago. And I just heard the other day, which I think is interesting, that the oldest person that they have record of who's lived is 123. I think it was from Japan. But the oldest person living today is 119 in the United, and it's in the United States. Yes. Someplace, maybe Virginia or someplace, North Carolina. So, you know, I, I, we're going to have a lot more people over 100 than the, by 2000. 30, I can guarantee you that. So someone's got to figure out things to make them to avoid loneliness, to yep. longevity, to live healthily, not, uh, you know, not to be bent over on, on, on uh, walkers. Yes. You know, I've through this podcast, I've met so many people who have started writing later in life and start, they start and they feel like they've missed the boat, like they're doing it too late. And I'm like, actually, this is the perfect time. And yeah. I've had people who are in their seventies, eighties. I mean, I mean, you're, I mean, I, you, but you wrote this to sort of reflect more on your life. I mean, like even novelists, you know, what I mean, like people who have always wanted to write a book. And I think writing is the perfect thing to do as people get older, right? I mean, I don't know. Absolutely, there's a a fellow named Mike Clinton who was, I don't know, I think he was the publisher of Hearst Media, but definitely in the media business, who's just written a book called Roar, R O A R, which is all about the opportunities for people who are getting older and things they can do, people who've been in finance and all their life wanted to be a writer, write. All they years they wanted to fly an airplane, learn how to fly an airplane. People going back to medical school at age 50. I mean, they're, uh, we're, we're in a different life cycle today. And uh, I think it's it gives lots of hope to people that, you know, and there are people who are bored and have been doing something for a long time and they they love to do something different and i say go do it yeah well you better come up with a lot of companies to service this market because uh they'll be they'll be ready especially after this podcast <laughs> well i hope so i hope so <laughs>
You know, you also, I mentioned this earlier, but you also wrote beautifully about the decline of your wife's health and how how you fell in love with her to begin with. You spoke with such respect for who she was and your relationship and really detailed all the, the, the decline really and all the steps you took and trials and everything to try to prevent losing her. And it was just, it was beautiful and, and poignant. And could, did you ever consider not including that or how did it feel to relive it and write about it? You asked me a very, honestly, you don't know, you really hit a very, very, uh, not soft point, but I originally, I didn't think of including it. And a friend of mine, and Margaret Carlson, who's a leading writer for the Daily Beast now and used to be on Firing Line and New York Times, she said, you can't write a book without writing about Susan and your relationship with her and the whole Alzheimer's. And I said, what has it got to do with the book? It has to do with your life and and how it fit into everything else. And and it would be helpful for people to understand it. So I, I honestly give Margaret Carlson the credit for encouraging me. And uh, I, I am very happy that I did it. It was great to write it. I was afraid it would be too distracting. But uh, the whole book, as you know, is does not follow a sequence of, you know, from 19 such and such to, you know, to 2000 such and such. It has a, it, it goes, it has, uh, goes from politics to classic cars to starting a company. And so the, the Alzheimer's, you know, I, uh, I got to know a lot about Alzheimer's and and people with chronic diseases and sadly I I honestly am at the still believe that there is no solution on the horizon and uh, uh, there are a lot of false hopes that are offered by drugs such as the Biogen drug which does nothing for you but I do think that exercise keeping your mind stimulated I guess I although I don't eat I'm not a vegetarian or vegan but you know, not going to crazy excesses. You know, I think it all contributes to it. I, uh, you know, but all of us will have some decline in memory and some decline in capability. But I think that uh, Alzheimer's is an insidious disease, just like Parkinson's and, you know, lots of others. But I honestly believe, I have no basis for it, that, that cancer will be cured to a large extent in my lifetime. I, I, I wonder... I mean, Alzheimer's is such a hard challenge to get to that blood brain, the blood brain barrier that a lot of smart people have tried. And I try to support some projects and they're going to we got to encourage the researchers and sooner or later, maybe something was going to happen, but nothing at the moment. Well, that's that's depressing because I really thought that like from the media, it seems like it's around the corner. So yeah, it's not around the corner. No. I, I, oh. It's the false false hopes. Well, is there anything is there is there anything on that front? I know you know a number of people, and I'm sure lots of people listening have are dealing with this in their lives in some way, shape, or form. Perhaps not with a spouse, perhaps with a parent or a grandparent or someone they love. I mean, is there is there? We see a lot. Of, let's put it, we see a lot of companies at prime time who are you know trying to tell you they have ideas of how to prevent it or how to slow it down or how to deal with it how to take care of people with it. And they're all well-meaning. And uh, I, I, I certainly, I mean, I'm not a, a technical or medical authority. I just don't see anything today. And all I think you can do is give loving care and attention. And, and you probably can slow it down by the things I've said. I don't think you 
can prevent it. But, you know, you see the first signs of it when someone, you know, we all forget names and we all forget numbers, but you can see a persistency that's developing and you can see the early signs. And, uh, you know, the things I mentioned are about all you can do at the moment. I mean, they, you know, there are a couple of drugs Namenda and Aricep, they, they, that it's the first thing they give to everybody. And I don't know, it really hasn't done very much. Take vitamins. <laughs> okay. I take, I take, I take a, a very, very, very well-known Nobel prize winner in the field of uh, brain and, and problems of the brain has said to me the best thing that to take, and I'm not promoting this, but I take it and I, everyone I talk to I, is a, a, a pill that's made by Mars, of all people. You know, the chocolate bar company, it's called Cocovia. And I take three of those a day. Susan did also. I don't know, maybe it, maybe it gave her a, an extra month of lift. I have no idea. But uh, since these friends of mine are taking it, I decided I'd take it. So, I, you know, I can't prove anything except that's that's the one thing I do every day to keep myself hopefully my brain active but I, i'm not recommending it and they're, they're these ugly built big pills so i you know that's the only thing i that's the only thing i uh, well maybe i'll check them out <laughs> i'll check them out well i'm glad i'm very glad personally as a reader that you included and as someone who who knew your wife for many years not super well but you know obviously since we've all known each other for a long time but just to, to hear you talk about it so yeah just so personally and even even things that that I haven't read in other places like how important it was to have her dressing fashionably the whole time and bringing her out to dinner parties and just not letting people forget her or write her away like that you kept her out in the mainstream and you know never gave up i just you know i that's all we can hope for from a spouse right this is like a, everyone's dream that that you will be treated with respect and like you are no matter what happens with you. So I don't know. I found it very inspiring. And I, and I, also, did, I also said, I didn't want my kids and grandchildren to be afraid of this. I mean, I think, yeah. uh, you know, not to hide it from them, but to uh, make them aware of that, you know, they're a real person. When she passed away, everybody in the family was there. And it's, it's, I, I hope that will, you know, rub off a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, how they, deal with people who have these kind of problems and not sh shun them, but understand that they're, you know, it's part of, it's part of life. I, uh, let me add one thing. I wrote this book, like I, you and I are having this conversation. It, yes. I hope you caught that. It was not, I'm not a, I'm not a writer. I, there's not going to be a follow-up novel. I wrote this like, you know, talking to someone and just stream of consciousness somewhat, which is how I like to give speeches or talk to people or, you know, write general. So uh, I'm glad you, you caught a lot of the essence <laughs> that I was trying to get across. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, I'm delighted that Jamie thought to send me your book and do all the good stuff and that he is back in my life now because of his involvement with Kyle on Wildflower and everything. So it's just, I don't know, all these, all these things. Then you learn something from a book and I don't know. It's it's uh, it, it makes me feel like all very warm and fuzzy that the circle well, sort of continues. So uh. I, I, I see your mother all the time. I read I actually went to hear your father. I don't even know if he knew I was there. I went to hear him give his reading at Bookhampton when he was there a couple of years ago. Uh, and, I, and I ran into Christine the other day. So, I mean, uh, 
we will somehow keep in contact one one way or another. Yes. We'll see you around. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. No, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time and thanks for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books. And thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.